0: I feel like there's those two me's and sometimes I try to live in that more hopeful state. And I'm definitely a more positive person than I used to be. I'm able to do that a lot more often because I've had these opportunities of taking these courses and raising my fees and getting somewhere. And I've been so blessed with so much encouragement and support along the way. And I just really wanna name that.
1: Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question, how can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's Money Skills for Therapists episode is a coaching episode. My guest is Sherry Merriam. Sherry is a LPCC in Minneapolis. She's been in practice for 13 years, working in healthcare for 22 years, and she's worked at various group practices in the past, including co-owning practice before Just last October, she started her private practice and opened a collaborative practice in January, which we'll talk about a little bit more during our coaching call today. Sherry was bringing forward today the challenge of how to structure your private practice and think about money and plan money when you have chronic illness. She shared about the limitations that her chronic illness puts on her clinical ability, um, but even her ability to do other things sometimes and trying to think about this and actually build it into the way that she's built her practice. You'll hear in our conversation, she's already made a lot of gains in this area. She's definitely not starting from scratch. She's already been very thoughtful. And we dug more into the details of how to build a healthy practice that financially meets her needs with that limited energy that she has and the reality that if she does push herself, she pays the price in exhaustion and needing to crash and so it's not something that she's able to push through. So if you are somebody who has chronic illness, if you are lower energy or find that you're just your clinical limit is not as high as the people around you this episode is for you we really think through a lot of the pieces involved in making sure you're setting up a practice that suits you and your energy and your needs enjoy Sherry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Very glad to be here. Yeah, I am excited to have you here. So we were just talking off mic about how you like just finished Money Skills for Therapists. So I was just noticing that I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks because I saw you quite a bit. You were very active in the course.
0: Right. I wanted to get
1: everything out of it. I'm very familiar with your your background. and, And so for our time together today, tell me what you want to have more clarity on by the end of our call.
0: So something that has always been present in my work as a therapist is balancing the work, the money, and the chronic illness. And it continues to be present. And so just, I always try to find ways to get support with that and, and to support myself through that. Okay.
1: So tell me right now, let's maybe like start with right now. What are you noticing that are the challenges around that in this moment or recently?
0: Well, a perfect example is literally just this weekend. That's how uh, still present it is. We, uh, my family and I went away for a little mini vacation and it was lovely. And it was planned to be sort of a work retreat slash vacation, like do some fun things, maybe during part of the day, and then maybe do some, do some work during part of the day, and my husband's a writer. He likes to write. So he was going to get some writing time in and I was going to get some working time in catching up on some, some things, but my, my energy levels just didn't quite keep up. And so we had our fun adventuring. And then when we would get home, I would need a three or four hour nap. And to most people, a nap is 30 minutes, but yes. I lost all of my work time every day. And that was frustrating.
1: Yeah. So perfect example where even on a vacation, you get depleted and you need a lot of rest and your day, it sounds like it's hard to do all the things that you want to be able to do in the day. It's just not possible sometimes.
0: Right.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And I'm an achiever, like you saw in the class. I was always (laughs) present. I I I want my A. Yeah, you know, I just listened to Jen Fredette's episode with you and you guys talked about we're gonna get our A. And, oh yes. And I'm there with you guys and I and I wanna do well in my business and I'm always trying to do everything which does not balance well with my illness. I have chronic mm-hmm. illness, I have chronic migraines, chronic yeah. pain. And I push myself too far and just like a lot of people with chronic illness and I, (laughs) I just want to do it all. Yeah, absolutely. So that impacts my income. Of course. Of course.
1: Yeah. So in your business and in your practice, tell me so far, what have you done to suit your practice to your energy and your needs?
0: There's quite a few things I've done. I've, I've tweaked a lot over the time and I've been a therapist for 13 years. And one of the main things that I've done is uh, with my schedule and limiting the number of clients that I see in a week. I'm currently at about, I think, eight a week and I'm working my way up to 10. I just booked another new client today and I Almost didn't. I'm starting to build up my my new practice, and I don't work for other people. I don't like to work for other people. Yeah. Um, other people get mad when you take sick days. The last group practice I worked for took it really well, but the one that I worked for not long ago um, did not take it well when I took sick days. And I understand it affects their bottom line, so I don't like working for other people. I work for myself. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But I have to limit the amount of hours that I see clients, mm-hmm. or when that creeps up. And then the sick days creep up as well, because I have right. those limits of energy.
1: Right. So the more you work, the more your body's actually going to say no or push back or how, how, whatever metaphor, however you think about that.
0: Yeah, exactly. It does
1: not let you just push through.
0: Yeah. Up to a certain point, but then I will pay the price.
1: Yeah. The first thing that occurs to me, Sherry, is just how good it is that you have built the skills to have your own practice. and, And I relate to you not in having chronic illness, but just in not being able to see a lot of clients, right? And that when we work for ourselves, we can do that. And as you say, when you're working for someone else, their feelings come into the mix if you're not able to work because you're affecting their income. But it sounds like you've solved that problem right? No longer are you having to deal with anybody else's opinions or feelings Mm -hmm. or their financial anxiety. You've moved your business just completely into your own space and you're doing your own thing. Now, something that I'm curious about Sherry is have you got the numbers working yet so that the amount that you work is enough for you financially? No,
0: that has always been an obstacle from the beginning. Um, because I'm so limited in the number of clients that I can see the, the income just doesn't cut it. Okay. And, you know, when you can only see a certain number of clients and I've been insurance based up until last year, I took Tiffany McLean's lean yes. and Mink bank class. Yes. And so I left, you know, that group practice in October of last year and I went 100% private pay and that is helping a lot for sure. And so I'm finally starting to make some real money, which is fantastic. And, you know, we're trying to buy a house this year and turning over my tax records was very discouraging when I looked at that that bottom number. Yes. So, yeah, I'm definitely not there yet. I'm crunching some numbers and looking at what I'm charging and I just increased my fee again. Okay. so I'm trying to get there.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, that's something that I would be curious about is given where your fee is at this moment, you know, projecting forward whatever that manageable number of sessions is not making yourself have to plan to work more, but projecting forward that a manageable. Number. And you said eight to 10, is that clients in total or sessions mm-hmm. per week? That is sessions per week. Okay. Okay. Eight to 10 sessions per week. So with that eight to 10 sessions per week, do you know where you would land after business expenses this year? If kind of like that becomes the normal going forward minus the vacation time that you want to take, do you know where you're headed? After
0: expenses, no. Mm -hmm. Okay, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm working on that. Thanks to the tools that I learned from your course. Yes. I'm working towards that. I'm still plugging those numbers in.
1: Because that would be the first thing to figure out is with the changes that you've already made, what do they mean? Because sometimes... With business, I think it's easy for us to want to see change happen fast, right? We want that magic thing that suddenly we see the magic number, whatever number we've set for ourselves, which is often an arbitrary number. And and we get a lot of arbitrary numbers thrown at us about what success looks like. But for you, I'd be curious about what is your success number and how close is this path that you've already Started to carve for yourself, the hard work you've already done of, you know, like doing the mindset work to be able to raise your fee and get off insurance. Now raising your fee, what does it mean for you this year minus business expenses? And in terms of resources that could be helpful for you with that at a high level, it could be the salary play sheet from money skills for therapists to get you zoomed out. So once you have a sense of kind of your average business expenses, you can plug those in, but then you can set your goal and see how many sessions a week and your fee and have that zoomed out view on it. um, Because there is actually an equation there that will work. So it's also just being curious of how high would your fee have to be to see that eight to 10. And I would personally set it at eight to see that Mm -hmm. eight a week and have all the numbers work.
0: Yeah. And that would leave me a little wiggle room too. Cause I have a couple of supervisees that I see once or twice a week. Yes, And I love doing that work. Mm -hmm. And there's also a, consult group that I want to run. And so that would leave me a little room for those things. And I like that kind of variety as well. Totally. Absolutely. And I want to have energy for that. That that's one thing that
1: keeps my energy up. Absolutely. Doing that kind of work. And that's absolutely the next place my brain was going is what are other income sources that maybe don't tax you in the same way and might, you might be able to add on top of clinical work that you would still have a good week and make that little bit extra money and not run the risk of, of crashing, right. And, and being depleted. And so I'm hearing clinical supervision is one of those things. Right. I know you also have a group practice. I don't know a lot about that. Is that an income source for you?
0: It's not yet. Okay. And what it is, is it's sort of a group practice, sort of not. It's basically okay. a medium-sized sublet, okay, but it's run on a more collaborative model than most sublets. So we offer more amenities so that we can create more of a collaborative yeah. vibe. Yep. Yeah. More of a community vibe, and so so I'm charging rent, and then they get a lot of perks, and then that way I'm nobody's boss, and yes. they're not my boss, yes, because I want everybody to feel independent and be able to run their practice their way.
1: Yes, I love that vision. Yeah. Oh, uh,
0: and yet we have this great like vibe. Like our our last couple staff meetings, we've been discussing this these cases that we're working on together, sharing families and that
1: sort of thing, yes. and it's exactly the vibe that I wanted. Great. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that, I hear, yeah, it's not a typical group practice in the sense that, you know, you're not getting a cut of people's sessions and you're not their boss, but you are creating a space. You're creating a, a community space. You're creating a clinic space where folks are independent clinicians, but there's also all these nice sharing community elements to it. Yeah. So with that, my understanding that that's not really profitable per se. Right. Not
0: yet. I need more tenants okay. to help cover the bills. Yes. And so I'm currently still trying to build that because we just opened in January. Yes. Okay. So I'm doing some networking, trying to get some more tenants in. And then once I have enough tenants, I'll be able to not only pay the bills, but make some money on it.
1: And do you know when that that flipping point is where you do become profitable and there's some extra money above the bills?
0: It depends on who takes up how much space because I'm offering full-time, part-time, flexible,
1: this or that. Okay. Because that's something I would also encourage you to get some more clarity on, right? Because there's kind of a couple paths here. And if that's something, I mean, it sounds very energizing, what you're describing, this beautiful community. And I know being in the right space with other clinicians, like it just adds lightness and support, Mm -hmm. um, which we all need in the work that we do. And I wonder how much that might be a path to creating more income for you. That would be less tiring than clinical work Mm -hmm. and less taxing. Yeah. And I do love it. I love the work that I, you know, creating this space was exhausting. It was four
0: months of 80 hour weeks. Which I do not recommend as someone with a chronic illness. Or or for anybody. (laughs) Yeah. For anybody. Yes. Um, But now that that we have it, I love it so much. I'm so proud of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that would be something else I would encourage you to find out. Because what can happen sometimes when we have clarity is then you can, in a focused way, go after who you're looking for. Right? If you run the numbers and realize like, okay, if I have three people doing kind of these like small sublets... It ends up being the same as like one person, then maybe you one full time, then maybe it's spending your energy really putting out of those feelers of like, I'm looking for someone who wants to join our community full time, incredible community, tell people that, you know, like, then you can be very clear and envisioning what you're looking for. And often that focus goes a long way to, um, if you want to be woo about it, calling in the right people. If you want to yeah. be practical about it, finding the right person because you're asking the right <laughs> questions and going the right direction. Right. However, you want to think about it. How does that sit with you? That idea of this being another way to really offset the amount of clinical work you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. you built the, you built the machine. Right. And have worked very hard at it. And so it sounds like you're actually very close to it working for you mm-hmm. at this point. So that little bit of extra is going to tip you over into right. more ease. Cause then the final piece, Sherry, that I'm curious about is do you know what your number is? Like what is your number of enough? Or that's you know, your sufficiency number where your needs are met, it's good, you're not gonna be, there's not gonna be financial stress and you don't have to push yourself any harder.
0: Really, I don't know. I've I've gotten so used to for so many years living on so little that. And I mean, so little, I make less than my supervisee does. Yes. Yes. And both of my supervisees. And so I really should run some numbers. You're right. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And I think I've been afraid to, to be Mm -hmm. honest, I've been afraid to set my, my sights on any kind of financial goal because I changed careers to become a therapist, to make more money And I have not in any one single year made more money as a therapist than I did in my previous career. So there's a a pretty distinct feeling of discouragement. I love what I do so much, and I have no regrets in any way. I do really love what I do, but there's so much opportunity for abuse and being taken advantage of especially as a supervisee and those sorts of things that at this point I'm pretty discouraged which is why I've taken such efforts through these courses and now I have hope but I'm also afraid to have hope you know yeah. what I mean yes so so I think I'm I'm on that cusp and I'm definitely seeing more money you know in the past since October, but until I see it on my tax return, it won't feel real. <laughs> that's when
1: it's real, when it's on your tax yeah, return.
0: Until but I see a number that's bigger than, yeah. than what I was making when I changed careers.
1: Yeah. And I mean, in in that I hear, yeah, that very familiar, like a fear to hope, right? It's safer to not look or it's safer to, I don't know if it's about staying small. Like what? where are you now? Like, what is the state that you're in that you're maybe gonna move out of. How would you describe where you are now when it comes to your numbers or your relationship with your earning?
0: I think I I vacillate. There's okay. the there's the motivated businesswoman who you know listens to the courses and the podcasts and does the homework and looks around at what I've accomplished so far and feels so proud and encouraged and can do the work and make the accomplishments and get somewhere. And so there's that, there's that woman. Yeah. But then there's the woman who, you know, is trying to apply for a mortgage and you know looks at the hard numbers and sometimes gets really discouraged. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I feel like there's those two me's and sometimes I try to live in that more hopeful state Yes. and I'm definitely a more positive person than I used to be. I'm able to do that a lot more often because I've had these opportunities of taking these courses and raising my fees and getting somewhere. And I've been so blessed with so much encouragement and support along the way so much. I never could have believed how many people have supported me and been there for me and helped me along the way. And I just really want to name that. And so I'm, it, it makes it easier for me to live in that headspace and do the work and get there so that I don't give up. Yeah. And that's that's a big thing that I do that really helps me.
1: Yeah. And I mean, with that, like that that headspace or, you know, that motivated business woman part of yourself, however you think about that part of you, I mean, what does that part of you know that maybe the the disappointed part doesn't know about yet? Like it's
0: possible. I've seen others do it. I've already accomplished so much and I've had so much help and so many people believe in me, even when it's hard for me to believe in myself. And if I, if, and when I do struggle, there are people to hold me up.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm really hearing this piece about support and community. And it sounds like that's a big value for you, right? Cause you've also yeah. created this community space to practice within, right. And to share with other people. So thinking about your path forward with this then, Sherry? I mean, first of all, I'd like to invite you to think about what would it be like if you just let yourself work eight sessions a week and that was your normal? First of all, what would that be like for you?
0: That That is lovely. That is lovely. That's what I was working about when I left the group practice last year. I had cut back to that Yeah, and just the ease of that.
1: Yeah. And with that ease, what else then becomes possible in terms of your income, your life, what does that open up? It leaves so much more
0: time for things like these other projects, like being able to get this practice off the ground, this clinic off the ground and being able to focus on these sorts of things that I'm really excited about. You know, I was able to take on these two supervisees, which was an important value of mine for a variety of reasons. And so that's, that's really special to me and really nourishes me like as a as a person, as a supervisor, as a clinician, and in a variety of ways, helps me feel like I'm giving back to the community, to the professional Mm, community. right? And so that allows that, which is
1: fabulous. And it gives me the space to just have a little brain at the end of the day. Yes. And having a little brain at the end of the day, what does that mean for your life? Yeah.
0: There's, there's possibility to I'm home for dinner every day, except the one day that I decide to work late. And that's mostly so I can do a workout class online in my
1: office. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So is that something then that you've already kind of sorted out? Are you saying then like being home for dinner, that's a marker of like. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm home for dinner with my family, like every day, except that one day that it's because I'm working out. I'm able to adjust my schedule any way I want so I can work out in my office. And I love that. And I I love those workouts and I can do
1: that because it's
0: my damn office. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes, yes. And this is, you know, something that's kind of coming to my mind as, as you're talking is how do you continue to build out your practice as something that nurtures you, right? So that balance of the clinical work that you love, but maybe might at some point become a drain balancing in that clinical supervision work that You know, lights you up, and then the community pieces like you're already in so many ways bringing that nurturing into your practice. So it makes me curious about like what little tweaks do you make to make that even better? Where are the limits that you need to be setting? Trusting that those other ways that you have of bringing in income are going to be there and allow you to still function, right? And be well while supporting yourself financially.
0: Yeah. Variety has always been one of the best and worst things about me because I love to play right (laughs) because I love to do all the things yes all the things yes yes. and the problem is is I need to remember to do all the things that bring in revenue so that's that's one thing that I need to stay focused on in my work is I can I can do all the things but does it bring in money (laughs) yes
1: yes well and the beautiful thing is once you're clear on your numbers and I am encouraging you to to do that after we speak like looking at that. What is the number you actually need to live? Right. And maybe holding the hand of that disappointed part internally, like doing that care. Cause it is hard, you know, when, when the numbers have not, when you want to see, and I, I can relate, I will say in terms of mortgages, cause I always start businesses and then try to get a mortgage, which is like, eh, like <laughs> you know? wrong order. You're not supposed to do it that way. I've done it twice now where I'm having a show, like startup numbers and I'm like, no, no, but it's going really well and be kind of judged. Really. You are being judged by a financial body. So I, I can relate to that experience, I will just say. But getting clear on what it takes to live, right? And and maybe that's a conversation too that you have with your partner. What do you need to be earning between the two of you, right? To support your household. And then getting clear on what is your hard boundary with clinical work. And then what are those other things that you want to be focusing on to maybe increase your income beyond what clinical work can bring you to hit that number that you need to not just live, but be well.
0: Exactly, And that's the be well part. It's like, well, I've gotten by on so little up until yes. now, Yes. but the, but the be well part, like since October, roughly uh, left, even more recently, I started doing monthly massages
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's been one of my, like, I'm, I've never done such a splurge on myself as pay for a massage And now I've started doing that and I would love to do that more often, but to splurge on it just once a month is already, it's just such a nuts thing for me to do. Right. But my body that as badly messed up as it is, I would love to do that more often. Mm -hmm. Just just the the fantasy of doing something like that.
1: Oh, we what would that be like? Well, and I think part of the thing is when we do have, health issues going on, you know or or higher sensitivity or lower energy or whatever. Your version of being well might require more of those things than someone else who, you know, has a body that just lets them run all day and doesn't ever seem to really like catch up with them. I, I would speculate that most people eventually we burn out, you know, when you push yourself hard enough for long enough, but certainly not everybody's body speaks up or protests or shuts them down for three or four hours after, you know, like just a nice morning of doing vacation things. So, Part of it too, is really looking at what are your specific needs? Maybe for you, a massage every two weeks or every week is basic self-care. Maybe that's what your body needs to offset the things that are happening in it, right? And I wonder what it would be like for you if you really made friends with those self-care needs and built them into the way that you think about what is just normal wellness for you, baseline wellness not a splurge, right. not a treat, yeah. but like, this is what I do to take care of my body. Cause my body lets me do literally everything else. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Put that as a line item in the budget. Exactly. Because it needs to be
1: there. Exactly. Exactly. So Sherry coming towards the end of our conversation, what are you taking away from our session today?
0: It's really helpful to, to think of these things as, as fundamental, and to think of that kind of self care as part of not only, you know, who I am as a person, but also who I am as a therapist, because it's so necessary to the work mm-hmm. to, to keep this machine going, yes. this therapy doing and other other thing doing machine, Yes. all the things doing, yep, all, all the things doing. Yeah, exactly. Right yeah and i think that that's that's so important to the functioning functioning is such a high priority to me which is i guess ironic since functioning is something i struggle with so much and i think that it's always useful to hear that feedback that it's because i eventually i'll get it through my brain that it's okay to need those things. It's not only okay, it's encouraged to utilize them and to not only to utilize them, but to work them into the budget and work them into the financial goals and to do what I need to do to make them fit into my professional life. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I wonder how those can just be neutral, matter of fact things or positive self-care things, but very much, as you say, just built into... Your numbers and how you plan your money every month right yeah
0: i think the more i hear that the more I'll, the sooner i'll get there yes yes <laughs> thank you so much sherry yeah thank you
1: something that really sticks out for me in my conversation with sherry today Is first of all, how easy it is to want to push past our limits. You know, whether you have limits because of chronic illness, or even if it's just that your clinical capacity, you can only see so many clients a week before you start to find that you're getting drained, you're not enjoying the work, you're not being as effective. It can be so easy for us to want to push past those limits and, you know, set a range of, well, my ideal is this, but I can do up to this. I see this so much in many skills for therapists. When I'm talking with clinicians about our limits and our range, we are so used to pushing ourselves too hard. And we're so used to putting our own needs aside that can be hard to really own. This is my boundary. This is how many sessions a week that I can do. But when we do set that boundary, and when we set it in a clear and neutral way, It can open up so much opportunity, like Sherry was talking about in this episode, to be curious about exploring other ways to bring money into your life and to, you know, top up that private practice pre-tech from other places, if that's something that energizes you. If you're someone like Sherry and you love variety and you want to be doing multiple things, then setting a limit on the area where there might be limits already, which is one-on-one private work, that clinical work, then you have the opportunity, like Sherry has, to open up that collaborative practice, You know, do clinical consultations, start a clinical consultation group. Actually by saying no over here, we're able to say yes in other places and that can be so nurturing and actually give us energy rather than depleting energy, which is what can happen when we push ourselves too hard. That second piece that I want to really emphasize again at the end of this episode is just how valuable it is to be clear on your numbers to be able to make these decisions. Once you know how much you need to make, Then you can see how much you need to earn. And to see how much you need to earn, you also need to understand what your business expenses are. Once you're clear on, you know, how much you need to bring in the door, because it costs you this much to run your business, so this is how much you can bring home, then you can actually build your business to suit that. And like I was just talking about, that might not be that it all comes from one-on-one sessions, but then you have a number to actually aim for. Rather than just kind of feeling like, I need to earn more, I need to earn more. That's a losing game, which makes us feel like it's never enough. But if we don't actually have clarity on what enough would be, we're never going to have relief from that. We're never going to win. So that clarity is huge in letting us build practices that actually take care of us and giving us permission to stop and rest when we've actually hit that place where money, there's enough. You're okay. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Money Nuts and Bolts. I'm posting free private practice content on there all the time about both the practical and emotional sides of money. And of course, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take 3 minutes to jump over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It is the best way for folks to find us. I would love to have so many more ears listening to these episodes and being involved in these conversations by proxy. And so if you could take a minute to review the podcast on Apple podcasts, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening today.